Okay, wherever you are, put your hand up if you pack for a holiday uh, an hour before you leave. Put your hand up if you're like a, I'll pack half a day before I leave kind of person. Maybe you're a kind of night before you leave. Or, or who's, <laughs> who's those like three weeks in advance start packing? I know there's somebody in my household who's, who's like that. <laughs> But I wonder when we start packing our suitcase for a different holiday, each of the individual elements to what we're packing has a unique purpose. So we'll put toothpaste in, we'll put clothes in, we'll put sun cream in if we're going to need sun cream where we're going. We'll put X, Y, and Z in. They all have a unique purpose. Maybe when you travel, you might put things that are significant to you. So for example, if I don't travel somewhere with my children, I will often put a picture of my children into my suitcase so that wherever I go, I can put that picture up and I can just look at them and be reminded of them. So some objects have a specific purpose and some maybe have a particular significance or meaning to them. And whenever we go on holiday, particularly if you're traveling abroad and going on a plane, you put a name tag on your suitcase. Now, in this little series that we outworked at the weekend at home, we were thinking about what it is to arrive at an airport, go through the arrivals process, go through the departures process, and then flying off into wherever we were going. And we did that through two lenses, one through John chapter one. And then secondly, we did it at the point of view of where our church was at, looking at where our church has been, the arrivals, looking at where our church is at this present moment, the departures, and then looking at where we wanted our church to go into the future which is why I'm using this analogy of packing for a holiday in a suitcase. Um, in this video, we're going to be looking at the first part of John chapter one. And I think that John chapter one is very much like a suitcase, particularly a really packed full suitcase. Are you the kind of person that will like sit on your suitcase to make sure the zip goes round because you've packed so much stuff? Well, John 1 feels a bit like that. There is so much in, particularly these first few verses of John chapter 1. It feels like a suitcase. And the thing about John 1 is that it's so clear that if John 1 was a suitcase, that the name on the handle of the suitcase would be Jesus's name. Because John. And now we don't actually know the author of the gospel of John. It could be one of two people. It could be uh, John, the son of Zebedee, one of Jesus' disciples, or it could be John the elder who was based in Jerusalem. We're not really sure. To be honest, it doesn't really necessarily matter who wrote it. The, the reason for whichever John wrote this is probably the most significant because in the end of John's gospel, it says this, um, John says, I have written this book so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have life in his name. We do know that both the potential Johns who it might be are eyewitnesses to Jesus. They were there and saw Jesus outworking what he did. So we can trust the reliable source that John is. But John he packs all this stuff into John chapter one, 
because he wants to go through who Jesus is, why Jesus came, and what Jesus specifically came to do. So that, again, reading the verse I've just read, that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the suitcase of John chapter one very clearly has Jesus's name on it. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? And what specifically did he come to do? So if you have a physical Bible, please open it to John chapter one. If you've downloaded one of our uh, church weekend magazines, please open it to the page where uh, the chapter of John is on and just follow with me. The first verse of chapter one starts, in the beginning was the word. Now we're going to stop there. We're not going to be as detailed throughout this video, I promise. We're going to stop there and just pause on those first six words. In the beginning was the word. The original word for the word was logos. So in the original translation, adding the English to the original Greek of the word logos, it would say in the beginning was the logos which we have translated as, in the beginning was the word. Now, it doesn't really make it very clear about who we're specifically talking about here, because both the word and logos don't necessarily mean very much to us. Skip down to verse uh, 14 through to 17, and we can see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John is clearly pointing to the notion that the word, the Logos, is Jesus because he came and dwelt amongst us. And that's the Christmas story where we see Jesus being born into this earth, emptying himself to come and be fully human and fully God present on this earth. So that first bit of John, the in the beginning was the word or in the beginning was the logos, could actually read in the beginning was Jesus. And that would make a bit more sense, at least quicker to us. So why has John not said in the beginning there was Jesus? Why has he said in the beginning was the word or in the beginning was the logos in the original form? Well, John is writing this gospel, this account of Jesus's life. He's writing it to Greeks alongside anybody else who would want to read the gospel of which me and you are included in that. But the Greeks, um, they had an understanding of the world and the universe that there was a rational and moral order to it. And this rational and moral order to the word had the name Logos. So for the Greeks, their kind of purpose in life, their discernment of going through life and trying to piece the meaning of life sort of together is such that they are wanting to discern the rational and moral order of the Logos. So a well-lived Greek life was one that conformed to and found the Logos, this sort of rational order and meaning to the world. 
So John is being really clever because what he's saying is, Greeks in particular, don't look for meaning and purpose amongst a kind of rational and moral theoretical order. Because the logos, that thing that you're looking for, the logos is actually a person. And that person is Jesus. Don't look anymore at something that's theoretical. Look at something that is physical. Look to Jesus. Because he, in the beginning, was there in the form of God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. He has been there always and will continue to be. Don't find your meaning and purpose in a rational moral order. Find it in the person of Jesus. And we know that Jesus is eternal because John very clearly says that. In the beginning was the word, was Jesus. And if you skip to verse three, uh, as you're following along, it says, through him, i.e. through Jesus, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is eternal. He is the meaning and purpose of life. He is that logos and he is the creator of all things. And if we skip down to verse 14, as we continue to think who Jesus is, we see that Jesus is the son of God. And as I mentioned before, he came and dwelt amongst us. Think back to that suitcase analogy. In these first few verses of John, we have seen a number of things of who Jesus is, that Jesus is God. He is eternal. He is the creator of all things. <clears throat> and he is a lived person who we can encounter and have relationship with and should live by and follow obediently. So that's who Jesus is. Let's just look at what these verses say about why Jesus came. Well, skip back to verse four. And look that it says that Jesus came as the giver of life. Only through Jesus, not anything else, not a moral or rational order to the universe, only through the lived person of Jesus can we gain life and life to the full. Now, Jesus as a human being is no longer on this earth, but because of Jesus's ascension to heaven and him gifting us as humanity with the Holy Spirit, we can encounter Jesus always through the Holy Spirit because he can live in and through us when we repent and believe that Jesus is Lord. And he gives us life and he gives us life to the full. Go to verse five of John chapter one. And it says very clearly that Jesus is the light. Why did Jesus come to give light, to give life, but also be the light, the one that shines into the darkness of this world. Picture like a, a box that's closed or a room that is absolutely pitch black. As soon as you get one absolute minuscule piece of light, 
you can suddenly see what is either in that box or in that room. It takes a very small amount of light to dispel darkness. So Jesus is using, that, so John is using that analogy of Jesus to say that Jesus came into this world as a pure being of light, to shine into the darkness of the world that we live in, this sinful world that we inhabit. But Jesus came as the light to shine his brightness and his life into that space. Verse nine also kind of goes a little bit further into that method of light and that image because it says that Jesus was the one who came to enlighten everyone, verse nine. And so we see through that, that Jesus came to enlighten us to his light and his gift of light. And finally, just a few verses down, it says very clearly that Jesus gives us the right to be children of God. So why did Jesus come? He came to be the giver of life. He came to be the light of this world. He came to enlighten our hearts so that we could know him and be gifted with light and life in our lives. And also, the right to become children of God, adopted children into the family of God. The suitcase is pretty full. We've looked at who Jesus is and why he came. But let's finally look at what Jesus came to do. Skip all the way to verse 29 of chapter one. And it says this, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This needs a bit of context for us to fully understand what this means. The Bible is split into two sections. There is an Old Testament, which describes the people of God called the Israelites from creation through to when Jesus came on this earth, which is then at that point when the New Testament starts. So the Old Testament looks forward to Jesus coming, a Messiah coming. There's those of prophecies of somebody coming who is going to give life and light to people to save us from our sins. And the New Testament describes the life of Jesus and the accounts of the early church. But in the Old Testament, pre-Jesus coming into this world, the Israelites would make sacrifices to God to say sorry for the things that they have done. So in a kind of symbolic act, they would take an animal and they would say, I'm giving all the sin that I have in me and I'm placing it on this animal. The animal was sacrificed, it was killed. And then it was as if in that moment that God would forgive those people from their sins. The issue with that is it was so timely that say a lamb was sacrificed in that moment, that person in that symbolic act would be forgiven by God for those sins. That wasn't an eternal forgiveness. Because the second after that sacrifice had been made, that person might walk out of the temple where the sacrifice was made and sin again. 
And then they have to go back in and sacrifice something else to say sorry for that sin. And we call the act of sacrificing something in replace of our sin atonement, the atonement of our sin. And verse 29 says that Jesus came, look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the whole world. Once and for all, friends, Jesus on the cross, which we remember at Easter time, on the cross took our sin, the pure Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. He took our sins onto his shoulders and through his death, we are made pure and spotless in God's sight. Jesus sacrificed himself once and for all. And because of that, we, now, we no longer need to make physical animal sacrifices because Jesus has done that fully and completely on our behalf. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to atone for our sins so that we, we can have life to the full, both now and for eternity. Take some moments as we come to the end, just to ponder on those verses that we've read and particularly who Jesus is, why he came and what he came to do. And just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, particularly for something today that can just really resonate in your heart and you can have a conversation with God about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to this earth. Would we know who Jesus is in our lives? Would we know why he came? And most importantly, Lord, would we know what he came to do and how that gives us as people life to the full? In Jesus' name. Amen.